This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Wednesday. It's 2 o'clock. It's time for stoppage time. We don't have an Atlanta United game to review or preview this week. It'll be a minute, but we'll be back next week with a game on Sunday night at 10.30 Eastern time. But, you know, hey, we're back. It'll happen. Leagues Cup has been going on. Women's World Cup has been going on. The U.S. Women's National Team is done in that tournament, as is Germany, as is Canada, as is Brazil. It has been a very topsy-turvy Women's World Cup. The League's Cup (laughs) topsy-turvy is maybe the word I would use in place of some others that I probably shouldn't say publicly. Uh, It's been insanity and and a lot of fun. So we'll get into all of that. The MLS uh, 2024 free agent list is out. We can talk about that. Um, questions you guys have we'll throw those in as well so this will be a very wide-ranging stoppage time edition i hope we get to talk a lot about leagues cup i think it's been awesome i start with that yeah you know the only the only regret i have about leagues cup is uh i hope enough people have been watching it uh i think it has been just phenomenal i think there have been so many you know, I, I it almost feels like this mash together of U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, World Cup qualifying, and MLS Cup playoffs, like kind of all mashed into one. You know, you, you take elements of all four of those competitions and you kind of slam it all together. Uh, and then hell, throw some MLS after dark in there. As well. <laughs> a lot of that, you, you know, and, and you, you've just, you've, you've baked this kind of like goofy looking, but really, really delicious cookie. And I, I think that's, that's what you have right now. And what I love is the Liga MX teams have been up for it. The MLS teams for the most part have been up for it. They've been up for it. They've, if they've lost, they've lost, but they've been up for it. I don't think there's anybody that I've seen that has Austin, not taken the tournament seriously. Austin, maybe. 
Austin. No, Austin just lo- Austin lost to Violette, so I-, I can't say that Austin didn't take it seriously <laughs> because they can't beat anybody internationally no, these days. True, true that. Uh, but, but no, I, I mean, I think um, I think it's been a good, hard competition. No one's punning these matches. No. Uh, and there's been a lot of intensity, and there's been some chippiness, and I think there's been some really delightful play. Now, yeah, I mean, I, I see Emil Zombie. Uh, some of the fans from Liga MX have been a negative. Totally agree. I mean, that was a, a really not pretty display in Nashville last night. Well, hey, here's one thing I'm going to say, because I know it's really easy to point to the Liga MX fans being a problem. I remember Nashville fans throwing things at Philadelphia players oh. last year, so let's chill on oh, good that point. No, that's a because, good point. and I remember Atlanta United fans throwing things at referees. Like that's it, true. has it happened in greater numbers with some of the Mexican teams and El tree matches? Yes. And it's bad no matter who's doing it. And it's got to well, stop. And the well, security in Nashville, there should be fines to Nashville for the yeah. absolute ridiculous lack of security last well, night. It, it, yeah, you saw like a fan go in the tunnel. Come out. Well, I think they were being arrested, but there were. <laughs> yeah, I think that one was being arrested, but there was like twenty people running on the field, yeah. and I think that's why the VAR situation took so long because the referee had to make sure they could get things handled. Because if you're in that moment and you've got Club America fans running onto the field because the security is not doing their job. And then you announce that, oh, yeah, by the way, the goalkeeper was off his line, so we're going to have to retake that. You have the potential of fans turning angry on the field, and you can't have that. And and the security was a joke in Nashville. It it was. No, you're right. And, look, I can only go by what I have seen personally with my own two eyes. And, um, you know, I I thought the – the crowd at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for Cruzazul was fine. I, I did not hear any chants. No. Uh, I know there were some allegations of violence. I have not really been able to independently confirm that. But I have not either. Um, like That happens at a Falcons game, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand, and, and look, it, it's, a, it's a very fine line to walk on this because there are different fan cultures and accepted behaviors in different parts of the world, and sometimes things get glorified that don't get glorified here. But I've seen violent situations at Falcons, not even Saints games, Falcons-Eagles games. I saw it personally. Um, I've seen drunken idiots at Braves games, Hawks games, every game. Like It happens. It's different when you get different cultures coming together. And one more thing, going back to the chant, like that has shifted in a big way. And I think people have to understand this. You're not hearing the chant in general all the time like you used to. When you're hearing it, and we've seen it at Mexican national team games, I remember Cruz Azul fans doing it. Uh, It was either Cruz Azul or Club America fans. It was one of them when their team blew a lead late. It's become weaponized. Mm-hmm. It People know that, hey, this can get my team in trouble, and I can show that I'm mad at my team, so I'm going to do it. It's changed its meaning now, which doesn't make it okay by any stretch, but it's different than it used to be. So fan behavior is an issue across every sport, and, and it, that should not be the headline about League's Cup. Have no. there been issues? Absolutely there have. 
and it needs to improve. And, and I think security needs to improve. And in general, on the Miami front with security, which is where we thought there would be some serious issues, it's been pretty good compared to what it could have been. Now, Nashville needs to take some notes from that, and some other teams need to take notes from that. But this is just part of public events now. I mean, how many, how many, well, how many big music stars have we seen in the past year have things thrown at them while they're on stage at their own concert? Party B just had it happen. Like yeah, last I, week. Yeah, I think and, Kelsey Ballerini had it, and and it's like there's been so many, and it's like you're here for my concert. Why are you throwing something at me? You know what my bigger takeaway was from Nashville last night, and, and I, I want to move off this yeah, and yeah. talk about the soccer. Because yeah, I, for sure. I think the soccer is just one quick takeaway from Nashville. Uh, uh, secondary to the security labs, and by the way, th- there's no way you're going to be able to create like this iron dome. No, and you don't you want that. In Miami, I mean, they they had they had security guards like spaced out every five yards along the touchline, and they still had a successful pitch invasion where a guy got this close to Messi wasn't yeah. going to hurt him, no. but still got that close. It, and that was with a ton of precautions. Yeah. So there's no way you're going to make it perfect. And I don't want to make my sound like I'm a policing expert. What almost stood out to me as much as profoundly as the security lapse last night was I don't think there was anyone sitting in the upper deck of that stadium. And that, to me, is a concern going forward for this tournament. We've had, And hopefully it'll alleviate over time. This tournament will become a bigger staple on our calendar. Yeah, it, it takes you time. Nashville against Club America last night. You play that match in Atlanta. It's Atlanta against Club America. You're easily finding 40,000 people on a weeknight with short time to sell tickets. And yep. I don't know if the tickets are not being priced correctly. I know that has been brought up in regards to the Miami matches. Yeah, um, that's a different scenario. I, Miami put that to the side because that's a that's not even just a League's Cup issue. That's yeah. a there because that's how they're going to do their pricing for the regular season games as well. And a lot of venues are doing the dynamic pricing that are, are trying to ride the the secondary market and and have flexibility in the pricing. I, I, I don't just, love it. But it I, is, what I don't like, Jason, is. and I think this is what needs to be looked at, you've got to find a way. Hold on, I'm an incoming Zoom call I don't want. <laughs> uh, you've got to find a way, and I don't know how you do it, but I think you've got to find a way where if you're a season ticket holder for MLS, you automatically get a Leagues Cup ticket. And if that means money is tacked onto an invoice at the end of the year. or People you complained about that too, though. I get it, but but like you you had a situation, and, and again, this is Miami. I know they're a little off to the side, but you had a situation yeah. where you had supporters groups from both Dallas and Miami who could not go to that game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I don't like that. I, no. I don't like getting into that. That needs to be fixed. I mean, and again, the big takeaway should be the soccer's been brilliant. MLS mm-hmm. is more than holding their own in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, we could have a conversation about if penalty shootouts need to become maybe a little more commonplace. Like, there's a lot of things we could talk about. So, I don't want no. this to be the main <laughs> takeaway. But there need to be some fixes that I, I think are looked at. If you know, this fall and this winter, when the leagues get together and they assess the 2024 leagues cup, you've got to find a way, in my opinion, where you are not making season ticket holders have to purchase an extra ticket. And lose the the right to maybe their, 
usual season ticket seat. Like they've got to find a way to make that work. Still profit off the tournament because these are bonus matches, but but find a way to make it work because I think that to a large degree has been impactful on the attendance that you've seen across the cup so far. I want to keep it to two things on this quickly. Um, One, no matter what way they do the ticket side of things about season ticket holders, either it's just part of your package, which I think it is next season for Atlanta United, one League's Cup game is included, or what Atlanta United did this previous season where you had to opt in to get that ticket or opt out, maybe is the better way to put it. You had to opt out by a certain point. People are going to complain no matter what way you do it. So that that's never going to be perfect. Some people will want it a different way than it is. That's just that's just life these days. Um, two, honestly, I think the biggest reason why you've had some people not show up for these games is it hasn't been – the story hasn't been told correctly from the beginning. And Agreed. there have been people – in very influential places, whether it's you're you're just a, a influential person who talks about the game, you cover a team, you cover the league, who downplayed this tournament when it was announced. And yep. that stuff sticks. And that stuff has been proven incredibly horribly wrong. And it happens with the U.S. Open Cup as well. There's this idea that and it's different worldwide where you have cup competitions that have hundreds of years of history and lots of, of significance where here you don't have that as much. And maybe people who don't follow the, the game worldwide don't understand the, the importance of a cup competition, how it can be a very important part of a season. So we get into this back and forth of, well, this game doesn't matter. It's not a league game. Or this tournament doesn't matter because it's a new tournament. Or these teams aren't going to take it seriously. And all this kind of nonsense. Every season, the games take on different levels of importance. If you have a bad regular season, but you win two trophies and cups, that's a good year. And you can make something out of that. If you make an unexpected cup run and you're not a very strong team, that can be a big deal right now. This is a big deal because Inter-Miami is doing what they're doing. Yeah, they've got some incredible reinforcements, but that's a big storyline that they might win a trophy this year because of this. They might play their way into CONCACAF Champions League. Storylines are not always straight lines of this league game and that league game and that league game and that league game. Sometimes you have these other tournaments where other storylines emerge. We have to stop in this country when we talk about soccer putting up gates in various places and telling people that this doesn't matter and that doesn't matter and that's not important because I say so. Stop it. This was a really cool idea to begin with between MLS and Liga MX to create a competitive situation involving all the teams. It has absolutely worked. It was a good idea that has actually paid off. And it's only going to grow. So we have to stop with the cynicism straight out of the gate about everything in this game that is not the league season. Just if you don't want to get behind it, if you don't care as much about it, whatever, that's fine. But when you do that, it affects people out there who aren't as invested, aren't as embedded. 10% of the potential audience is going to be the people who will watch every game that a team plays every year, and they will be all in. 90% of that potential audience is out there. And when you tell them this tournament doesn't matter, they say, okay, well, cool. I'll skip that. I'll wait for the league to come back. Well, it's it's just got to stop. It It is absolutely the same with the Open Cup. And I hate the way, I hate the the sarcastic treatment that surrounds the U.S. Open Cup every year. And I even saw it among members of the Atlanta media in 2019 
Yeah. When Atlanta United yeah. was making a cup run and we're seeing tweets about, oh, you should have a giant cup as a mascot and, you know, all of it. Like, no, it, it, this is, it. first of all, it's the oldest trophy in the United States. There's a lot of history and a lot of prestige behind that. You are not going to, um, you're not going to have your audience take the tournament seriously if that's the way you're going to cover 100%. it. And I think there's been an enormously uh, missed opportunity on this side of the Rio Grande uh, and I don't really know how it's being covered in Mexico, to be fair. But on this side of, of of the border, I think there's been a tremendous miss. And quite frankly, I think the league probably shares some of that blame. Because And look, I get it. All eyes are on Messi. And yeah. this is in the summer of Messi. And you've yeah, got to promote Messi because Messi is the right future now. of this league. But I, I thought, honestly, you know, and again, I get it. Messi's important. The storytelling on the part of the league going into League's Cup was insufficient. I think you've also gotten a very bad break because a lot of markets that would care very deeply about this tournament if their team was still in got knocked out early. Seattle, Atlanta, St. Louis, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. um, Portland. That's the, the so, challenge of a cup. I mean, yeah, if, I mean, that's a bad break. That's unlucky. Yeah. You're, you're you're fine. The tournament's fine. The tournament's going to grow. Like you know, everybody's floating ideas now that you try to find a way to invite Conma Ball teams as well to be part of it to round it out and, and get you uh, four team groups and that kind of a deal. Would love to see these things explored. It, it is a very unique canvas that you can create something compelling and different. And in sports that have the history that soccer does and we're seeing it with the nba creating an in-season tournament oh that just makes no sense this this is not what we did back in the 70s i mean stop this is an opportunity to make something brand new and create something special from scratch and it's lived up to it the game in nashville last night was insanity the game in dallas on sunday night was nuts match of the year you got yeah, Philadelphia yeah. and Red Bulls and Jim Curtin's calling out opposing teams again. I mean, you, well, you've got and, all kinds of stuff. Well, and, and and then look at what could potentially be ahead. Mexico could be out after the quarterfinals yeah. entirely. Yeah, you are one round away from Miami playing with Philadelphia, which yeah. I think would be incredibly fascinating. <laughs> uh, you know, Messi getting kicked around by Philadelphia and Jim Curtin. Uh, I think you have a a titanic quarterfinal matchup between LAFC and Rayados at the Rose Bowl. At the Rose Bowl, they're probably going to have eighty thousand people there. Yep. Um, you know, just a, a clash of two gigantic clubs. Charlotte's got a little bit of a Cinderella thing going right now. <laughs> yeah, they, they they were definitely wearing the glass slipper in Houston. Good, grief. absolutely. But Minnesota's got a little bit of a run going right yeah. now. Yeah. Like, this is fun. fun. It's fun. This is really, really fun. I'm and I the matches have been compelling. Um, yeah. they've been well played. This is not, you know, kind of junky, uh, you know, you name it, like no. flute goals here and there. And, and well, well there's been some flute goals now. <laughs> but but, but it, it's not it, it's not schoolboy soccer. Yes, yes. It, it's soccer, it, it happens. It's been absolutely outstanding. And I can't wait to see if we get Philadelphia-Miami. 
Yeah, uh, that, that'll be wild. Really, really good chance we're going to get that. I mean, oh, no disrespect should. to Charlotte. No, that's but uh, I don't. I don't like Charlotte's chance. Uh, hey, no disrespect to Queretaro either, because they no. were not supposed to be making the run that they're making, and they are an absolute Cinderella right yeah, now. Yeah, but again, that that's the. I mean, Queretaro. They were probably like your 15th choice out of Liga MX. They hadn't won a road game in Liga MX in their last 21, and they've done what they're doing in this tournament all in the U.S. Look at what Cruz Azul did, quite frankly. I mean, Tuca Ferretti saves his job. No, he did not save his job, actually. He was let go. For one match, he saved. He saved it for one more, for a couple more days. But but then he almost saved it again, you know? Uh, Yeah. I think the penalty shootouts have been, you know, like I said, I don't, I know this is going to go against kind of the purity of how we feel about the league season. I am not at all opposed Uh-oh. to Major League Soccer adopting a bonus point every match as a winner. I know that's I don't like kind it. of a throwback to the way it was and, yeah. and not the way we do things, but uh, I think the shootouts have injected a lot of fun. It's a it's lot been of good. I, I will I will tell you last night as I was watching, I decided to to focus on Nashville Club America as, as my number one game. But then as the night went on and the other game started getting crazy, I had all three games in that early window on in front of me on various machines because I was so like hooked on all of this insanity and all three go to penalty shootouts almost at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a blast and, and I, I hope it continues to grow. I do think a lot of people are watching it. I, I think it's easy to maybe lose that, but that's just the world that we're in now that we're all watching on apps and various things that, it's not like the old days where you know you'd watch it on TV and then you'd see what Sports Center had to say about it. You know, the, the Sports Center picks what they want to choose and choose to cover, and they cover some stuff and they don't cover other things, and it's all segmented in different places now. But the conversation that I'm seeing in the soccer community about this is really cool, and the messy stuff is crossing over even bigger than that, as you hope that it would, and there's another big opportunity for it to continue to cross over with another game for Miami in this tournament after Messi had more magic in Dallas. It's been fun. It's been just a lot of fun in this tournament. It's been a lot of fun that was needed after a very disappointing (laughs) Women's World Cup for the U.S. Women's National Team. And Germany. And Canada, and a lot of them, and Brazil, and a lot of favorites. But uh, you know, it's guns a blazing at uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. Worst ever. Uh, um, uh. You know, again. Um, let, let's let's start with this. Um, first of all, fair play to Sweden and their goalkeeper. Yeah. Oh, their it, goalkeeper it, was amazing. That, that's how many times have we seen it in matches we've done, Jason? Where yeah. um, you know the deserving team for one reason or another goalkeeper single mistake in a moment uh you know referees where a deserving team doesn't win uh i don't know how anyone could objectively watch that match sunday morning and not come away with the conclusion that the usa was the better side um you know now you you could to be fair you could come away from that match against portugal in the group stage and say portugal was the better side and i you know i'd have maybe a difficult time arguing that a little bit of a toss up uh, in that i think the us was slightly better more of a better. toss up than that yeah but, more of a toss up but clearly the us was the US, slightly better clearly the us better than sweden yeah clearly yeah uh and it goes to a shootout and then you have you have a shootout unravel 
in a very, very kind of wildly unpredictable way. Uh, and it, it ends with goal line technology. With, and then, you know, the, the craziness over... I've never seen a shootout in on goal line tech before. Never. I've, I've never even really seen goal line tech come into play in a shootout before. I mean, I'm rarely, sure rarely, but very, very rare. Yeah. Um, and then you look at kind of the, honestly, you know, it's funny how there were questions about Atlanta United shootout against Cruz Azul. The U S women's national team put someone up to the spot who hadn't even taken a touch in the world cup and she scored Yeah, that worked out. You know, you have the goalkeeper go sixth and scored and that worked out. Yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously you had Rapino, you had, um, uh, Kelly O'Hara hit the post and then, um, Sophia Smith, Sophia Smith. Um, you know, look, Christopher, uh, or, I'm sorry, Christopher Abel pointed out, we need to find a better way to settle games than a penalty shootout. I get it, but how? You know, th- this is this is what FIFA has come upon. Uh, you play a 30-minute extra time. For player safety, I don't know how much longer you can really go, even if I you don't go think you to, can. to golden goal. I mean, no. you just, I don't know from a safety standpoint if it's realistic to play no. more than 120 minutes. I don't think you can. Um, they've tried golden goal in place of playing the 30 minutes for a while, and it didn't really change anything. So, um, you know, it just made it a little crueler in some ways at times. So they went back to the 30 minutes. Um, you know, you have the old school 35-yard shootout, which I actually prefer to penalties in terms of a shootout. It's a little more of a 50-50 kind mm-hmm. of proposition in those Uh Yes, as everybody points out, you could have an injury, although I've never seen an injury happen in one of those. I'm sure it's happened once or twice, but it's not a regular occurrence. You could have an injury happen in anything you do. Um, I mean, the only thing you could do would be to radically change the way that you do extra time. And I don't know if you want to do that because it does get away from the purity of the game a little bit. The... The, the soccer tournament, the, the cousin of the basketball tournament, the way that they finished games, they did a – basically you had to have a game-winning goal. So it's kind of like I mean, the Elam ending. Yeah, yeah, kind of a similar situation. Um, but what they did is once that started, when there wasn't a goal, they pulled a player off from each team after a certain period of time. Could you do something like that where you start 30 minutes? And, and if, if 30 minutes is the max, if that's what – the, the doctors and sports scientists and everybody agree to not have diminishing returns and even more potential of injury if, if you can only go 120. Okay, that's fine. So then you figure out, okay, it's 11 v. 11, and after a certain period of time, if you're going to go back to golden goal, you could do it this way. Certain period of time, nobody scores, it's 10 v. 10. Nobody scores, 9 v. 9. And if somebody had a red card beforehand, then that's just what it is. I wouldn't go past 9 v. 9. I think then you're, you're creating just silliness. Um, if somebody has a red card or two in, in the regulation time and they're less than nine, then that's on them. But I would pull two people if you want to do something like that. I'd like to see it tested first and see what it looks like. But I don't think there's really many other ways to determine it. And you can't keep playing longer because then you're going to wipe a team out for the rest of their tournament run. If you want to talk about playing sudden death after the 120 in a final situation... 
sure, but then players go back to clubs at some point and, and they're going to be exhausted. And, and it, I don't think you get any benefits from that. The only way I would do it would be what I said, is explore going to golden goal and going to – you play 10 minutes – you go down to 10v10. You play 10 more minutes, you go to 9v9. And if you don't have anything there, you have to decide it in some way, and I think you have to decide it with penalties. I like yeah. the 35-yard shootout, but if you want, if it's penalties, it's penalties. It's so tough. I mean, yeah, it, you, you, it, you just get to a point where you have to determine it. You're going to have detractors to all of those. Yeah, there's, there's no clean way to do it. I mean, no. you can't just keep playing until somebody scores. You, you just can't because there, there's physical limits to the body. Yeah, and and look, I mean, it's even coming up on the Twitch pitch. It, there's there's a downside to golden goal too. Yeah, downside to golden, everything. If we had golden goal in this last men's World Cup, we we don't get the drama of how yeah. that all unfolded. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So th- there's there's really no clean way to do it. I get yeah. it, and you know, look, as Atlanta United supporters, we have been on the wrong end of it a couple times. Um, it's yeah, it, it, it's tough, but it's the way that FIFA does it. It's the way that it's been done for three-plus decades. And, you know, for the most part, I think when the epitaph is written on this tournament, probably in another six months to a year, we'll be talking very little about the shootout and the, the near save and goal line tech and all of that. I and, think the near save will be one that has a – just a long historical lifespan because I've literally never seen anything like it. I was typing. I was in the midst of typing that it was the best save I've ever seen in a shootout. Mm-hmm. And then they're looking at it. And I mean, they get the call, right? Like at some point, somebody has got to make a decision and, and we can get into to margins of error with the technology and all that. But there's a line somewhere, and if you say that it's, well, it's too close to call, so we're going to say it's not a save, then Sweden's going to be horribly upset, and I, I can't blame them. you got to make a decision one way or another, and that's what you're going with. Y- you have to try, and it's very difficult, and I, I feel for Kelly O'Hara and Megan Rapino and Sophia Smith, who did not convert on their attempts because that's going to stick with them forever. You have to try to put it on frame. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. 
You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You have to try to force that save. Um, I was shocked that Rapino didn't. I did not have Smith in my list that I would have had go up for it. Um, but we don't know those conversations. And we don't know if the player steps up and says, I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm confident, I'm feeling good, I want this. Or if somebody that you think should take it says, I don't feel good about this, or I'm, you know, I, I pulled something late in the game and I don't feel comfortable. Or, which happens quite often, more often than you'd think, a very good attacking player is just not that good on penalties. And they're not comfortable. Or they've missed a few, or they missed their last five in practice. Like, I would have had Julie Ertz take a penalty. I feel like she's got the mentality to, to get the job done there. She might have not felt comfortable taking that penalty. And, and that's the, the difficult challenge of all this. I know it's easy in these situations to yell at the coach and say, well, maybe it should have been this person kicking. It should have been this person in the lineup. It should have been this move. It should have been that move. There are so many challenges to it. Well, in this tournament, I feel like it came down to the U.S. not converting their chances. That's not a coaching thing. That's a right. conversion thing. The long-term aspect of what it came down to is that there's no more margin of error. The, the rest of the world has caught up and or surpassed in a lot of situations the talent level of the United States women's national team. So you can't have a tournament where you're not converting your chances anymore. You've got to convert. You did everything right defensively. You only conceded two shots on target in the tournament. You weren't outplayed by anybody in the tournament. You didn't do enough to win the games and advance. Who's in the driver's seat now, in your opinion? I would have said England, and then they almost got knocked out. Um, Nigeria, in my opinion, did outplay England in that game. And England's lucky to advance. And England's not going to be the same team without Lauren James now. Uh, that's... We see this happen with young players. Uh, I think Brian Dunseth calls it the red mist. And, 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 I mean, it's just you lose your mind in, in some moments. And, and we've seen it. And with English players, we've definitely seen it. Talked about it with, with Jessica Charman on AST this week. You know, David Beckham in 98. Wayne Rooney in 2006. Uh, it, it happens. And it's, it doesn't define Lauren James, but it's really going to hurt England. And we don't know if there's going to be a further suspension. She's vital to that team. Spain is, is a team that I could see winning this. Japan is a team that I could see winning this. The Dutch are a team that I could see winning this. Honestly, Sweden. I had Sweden get to the semifinals to begin with uh, and playing the U.S. in a semifinal. Uh, that could happen. And then there's the whole idea of the home team in Australia. Sam Kerr is healthier now. I don't know if she's ready to start, but she's ready to play more minutes now, and she's fresh. And now you've got that just snowball of support going on in Australia to where they're preempting national television for this game. They're doing all kinds of things that they've only done for, like, the Aussie Rules Grand Final. Like, it's getting to that kind of a level of, right. of support in Australia. You can't discount that part of it either. So... I, it's wide open to me. I would have said England now. I just can't wait to see how it turns out because Colombia is going to fight England with everything that they have. I don't think they have enough talent, but they could pull a surprise because we've seen so many in this tournament. It's been a blast. Colombia and England in a men's World Cup a couple of years ago played a 
crazy, crazy knockout yep. game with our old buddy Mark Geiger in the middle of all that. Yeah, uh, and he did it, actually did an amazing job in that he, to he not send twenty players off out of twenty-two because he, he could have. He absolutely could have. Definitely yeah. could have. No doubt about it. So it's fun. It's fun because it's wide open. I hate that the U.S. is out, but um, you know, if you don't have a dog in the fight from this point forward, I think it's going to be very, very um, wide open. And you know, any one of the eight teams left could win. Which from the from the U.S. perspective, you saw some really good things that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Naomi Gurma is going to be in the U.S. backline for a decade plus yeah. hopefully uh an amazing performance from her uh, Alyssa Nair the the just um, just the mentality in that shootout to step up after making a save then you don't get the conversions and then kick number six like oh, I got it I, I'm good and she puts it away um and she was great in that game because Sweden's threat were on those corner kicks and she was fearless flying out flying through traffic getting hit hitting people she didn't care um just a, a great performance from her in that clean sheet lots of lots of good things in this tournament i think we saw why sophia smith and trinity rodman are, are both so good but we also saw that they're young and and there's t still room for them to grow and become better players uh rose lavelle still got time to continue on and i think she'll be back in the next world cup um Andy Sullivan was really good in that last game, I thought. I thought having Emily Sonnet, and look, it might be Emily Sonnet's last uh, World Cup game with the national team. Uh, Emily from Marietta, I thought she was brilliant in that game, and that was a move that nobody saw coming with Sonnet playing in the midfield to allow Sullivan to push forward a little bit more. So, like, there's a lot of good things about this team, and I hate that it's just become a negative story that they get knocked out here this is the awakening of the women's game worldwide, this tournament. It, it had been building, and we had seen it build, but now it's undeniable. This is like the men's tournament. How many times have we seen the team that comes in as the favorite or the defending champ not quite get back to that level? They're not awful, but they're not good enough to keep going through. We always see a surprise or two. And then you get down to the heavyweights. I think on the, the women's side of things, the question now, what is that A group going into a World Cup? Who is it? How many are in it? I think it's more wide open than the men. And I don't know right now exactly. I, I think the U.S., England, Spain, Japan, with their play here, uh, the U.S., because of what they've done historically, they will be back. They don't even start with the nonsense about, like, oh, they're never going to be able to compete. Shut up. Um, you're going to have a Portugal that pushes to get into that. You're going to have an Italy that pushes to get into that. Germany will be back. For sure, Germany will be back. I think Sweden has been kind of reestablished now at this top level. But who's going to be the first one of a Colombia or a Nigeria um, or a South Korea or, or somebody else who is was new in this tournament and is going to then get up into that top group because it's going to happen. It right. might need more than four years, but it's going to happen to where I think in a men's World Cup, typically we go in with the idea that four teams might win it. In this tournament, I went in with the idea that it was more like eight, and some of those were wrong. 
I think the women's game is going to be more wide open for a while. But as we see in these situations, the elites who have been dinged up a little bit in this, and it's the U.S., it's Germany, I would say Canada, but their federation might go bankrupt, so I don't know what they can really put towards this. Literally, they might go bankrupt. I'm not lying. Um, Brazil, and it's always a tough call on how much they're going to invest in the women's game, but U.S. and Germany, we know, are going to go back to the drawing board they're going to look at the long term and they're going to say, we need to develop. We need to invest here. We need to do this because we don't want this to happen again. So they're going to get better and then everybody else is going to have to catch up again. That's the process. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Not to mention you might have home field in 2027. I think you will. Uh, you know, the, the way it looks right now, you probably will. Yep. Um, just really quickly, any thoughts on a potential manager? It's too hard to call. Um, I'm curious to see if they go with somebody like uh, Mary Harvey, who was in the running last time. Um, I don't think you're going to go to the college game. I think you need to lessen the importance of the college game on the women's side because there's just not enough time to develop tactics there. It's more about the physical side. Um, You could look at going overseas, but... but I don't know if anybody is going to be available that would make sense. I mean, Serena Wigman is maybe the best manager in the world right now in charge of England. She's under contract through 27. Uh, so I, I don't know. Mary Harvey is the one I keep coming back to as, as maybe that possibility. She's done a great job at the NWSL level. She's been in the mix before. She's worked for the Federation on the youth national team. So would make sense that she's got to be pretty high on that list and, while I've said very clearly, very often over the past couple weeks that I think the criticism of Latko Andonofsky has been so far over the top, it's not even funny. When you don't get to the championship match in back-to-back major tournaments, Olympics and World Cup, you can't get another cycle. So it's, it's time to change. Um, not because he was the worst manager ever and they should have known this to you and all these different headlines that are thrown around right now. Because he didn't get the job done, ultimately. And he, I think the reason why, and I said this to our friend Abby when we were talking about this back and forth, ultimately, he believed in his players. That's why he didn't make a lot of subs. That's why he didn't vary the lineups a ton. His players played well. He believed that they would push through and have that breakthrough and have those goals. He backed his squad. Ultimately, that's going to cost him his job because they didn't deliver. And that's the life of a manager. And it's... It's horrible. It's brutal at times, but they know that going in. They know somebody's coming after them, and probably not all that long down the line, and you try to make the best of it and leave things in a better place than it was. And in a crazy way, I think he did start that process. Maybe didn't finish it, but he started that process of changing the generation of players, and he started to bring these young players through. COVID affected his development. You know, the Olympics moving back a year had an effect. He didn't get the job done, but it wasn't all bad either. The next person who comes in, you got to win. It's just that's the U.S. women's national team. You got to come in and win. Can I throw one other name out there just as a wild card? Do you pick up the phone and talk to Phil Neville? I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought he did a good job with England. I thought he did a very good job with England. Um, It would be interesting to see how some of the people who are leading voices in the women's game would react to that because they did not like his appointment in England. 
because he said something at one point about it being a stepping stone to to another job or, or something. And at the time he took the job, it probably was, to be perfectly honest. I know you don't want to hear that, but if you haven't lived in that world, and it's almost like two separate worlds. And, and Phil's one of the few who has went back and forth on coaching back and forth. Um, it doesn't happen very often. And I thought, as I've said many times, I thought he did a better job in Miami than he got credit for. I agree. And I get why they made the change. I totally understand it. I mean, you're getting to reset with the best player of all time, and you get to bring in somebody that he's comfortable with and knows how to get the best out of him. Totally understand all that. But I think the criticism of Phil Neville's been over the top, all over the place, just because people don't like him for whatever reason. I think he's very forthcoming. I think he's very honest when he speaks. Uh, I think he has done a really good job tactically with two very different kinds of teams in Miami and the English women's national team. I would talk to him. I don't know if I'd hire him, but I would absolutely talk to him. There's no question about that for me. I would also, if I'm making that decision, would have to weigh in the potential backlash to that hire in my decision-making process. But I would want to talk to him for sure. All right, real quick, um, pivoting to the MLSPA free agency list, which came out this afternoon. There are four current Atlanta United players on the list. I I don't believe this is a surprise to anyone, but just to go through it, uh, Miles Robinson out of contract. Ozzy Alonzo, I think had, I think he's out of contract. He's out of contract. And then the two backup goalkeepers have options. Westberg and Westberg and is out of contract. Uh, Claymont Diop has an option. Okay. I've pulled uh, it up ahead of time. A couple other names at the bottom of the list, just people without club that stood out to me, by the way. Just, I don't know how many of you scrolled to the bottom of the list, but Dom Dwyer's on there. Uh, Ambro Tarek, I, I completely forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, former Orlando player, Ambro Tarek, um, yeah. among those without club listed as a, a free agent. But we do know that Miles Robinson has an offer on the table because mm-hmm. Carlos Bocanegra has said so. Uh, but that is the list right now. It is striking to see the number of free agents that certain clubs have. Like Charlotte's got a ton. Seattle, I think I counted like 12 or 13 free agents on Seattle. A lot of them do have options, but still. Uh, Atlanta United with only four, kind of one of the the teams with a smaller number of free agents on that list going into 2024. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, and I was trying to pull it up so I can explain this properly, the ones who are out of contract are not all total free agents. There, there's different designations for what happens to them if they don't sign a new deal. There is a waiver draft and there is a reentry draft. The The waiver draft is for players who have been here who are either younger or have been here for a shorter period of time. And the reentry draft is for the next group that has been here a little longer or is a little older, but not old enough or long enough to be free agents. Um, okay. I have it. Uh, stage reentry. Um, God, there's a lot of different clauses to this. That's basically the best way to put it. Um, and it will come out later before we get to, the end of the season as to once a club either doesn't make an offer to keep somebody or they renounce their rights. I think it might be part of it or the option isn't picked up. Then it is said by the league, they fall into, they're a free agent 
they go through the reentry process, which has a two-stage process where basically if you take them in the first round, you guarantee them a roster spot, and you either pick up their option if it was an option declined, or it is a guaranteed contract at a certain amount based off what they were making previous. And in the second stage of reentry, you can you basically pick up their rights and you can negotiate a deal. And it they don't always get a deal, but you could you pick up their rights to negotiate. Waiver is a, a simpler process. You you pick them up and you sign them, or you pick them up and then you don't sign them. Um, Andrew Gutman came through waiver because he hadn't been in the league very long, and Atlanta traded up to get his wave his the pick in the waiver draft, drafted him, and then signed him ultimately. But they had his rights to do that. Just glancing through it without knowing who falls into what categories, but you look at the out-of-contract guys, the option guys don't get too hung up on it right now because a lot of options will get picked up, not all of them. But out-of-contract guys that kind of jump off the page to me and not everybody who is just a good player is going to jump off the page. you got to look at who Atlanta United has and who they could potentially need some reinforcements for. Um and you're looking at age, too. I mean, Christian Espinoza, I thought, re-signed a new deal with San Jose, so I don't think he is out of contract. I think he actually did a new deal. This might be – they might not have updated their their list, the MLSPA. <laughs> um, Sebastian Blanco a few years ago would have been great, but not now. Kai Wagner is a fascinating one, but I think he's going to go to Europe. So I, I don't think you're going to really go too nuts on that one. One that I really like is Omer Fernandez from the Red Bulls. I don't think he is a Red Bulls kind of player. He is listed as out of contract. I don't know if that'd be reentry or free agency. He's been around a while, so it might be a free agency move. I like him a lot. I think he's a very talented player. I played in college at Wake Forest. I don't think he fits their system, and that's why he hasn't been a regular for them. Um, skipping through the rest, Gustavo Bo, again, if it was a couple years before, maybe. Dax McCarty, another one. I love Dax McCarty's game, but I don't think you can justify it now. Uh, Will Trapp is a player that I like, but I don't think you need him in a crowded spot of the field and on the roster. Um, there's not a lot that just really grab me as guys that I think Atlanta needs to go after that would potentially be free agents or go through the reentry process. The other one... Outside of Omir Fernandez is Donovan Pines. And, and I feel like I've talked about Donovan Pines for years. Uh, he is still raw, but he has the characteristics that I think would suit Atlanta. And you got to work with him and I think improve aspects of his game to be what he can be, which he's been in U.S. men's national team camps. I mean, he's not like that far off of that standard. With his size, with his speed he could be a really good fit playing in a team like Atlanta that wants to play a high line. So those are the two that I keep coming back to because you're, you're not looking at, in my opinion, you're not looking at guys that are going to come in and be like designated player level guys in free agency or, or off, off options. You're looking at guys that can bolster the roster. And I think those are two that absolutely could. Couple other names that stand out to me, Alec can and Jimmy Maurer, uh, just, you know, again, not yeah. knowing, Again, you have two backup goalkeepers who are listed as free agents, and you don't know what's going to happen with them. You need uh, one veteran in your goalkeeper room, regardless. Um, even which if theoretically would be Brad Guzan. You need one veteran who's not your starter. Let me put it that right. way. Uh, well, uh, if 
Brad's your starter, you need one veteran to go along with, I think, Justin Garces, who who should get the opportunity to prove that he can be at that next level. Even if he floats back and forth and plays games for the twos, I'd like to see him as the number three next year as opposed to being on the twos roster full-time. But, you know, Can is uh, he's kind of become like the cup goalkeeper now for Cincinnati. Uh, Roman Celentano is pretty much their full-timer. Uh, Mauer in Dallas, uh, he's now the backup to the uh, the Dutch goalkeeper. I'd love to see Jimmy Mauer come back home. I, I, Jimmy's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. He played for the Silverbacks, uh, played for the Cosmos. Um, I thought he did a good job in Dallas, and they just upgraded the position, and I don't think he really got a fair opportunity to keep his spot, which was a little disappointing, but... I think Jimmy's a good guy, and and he's the kind of guy that if he is the number two and comes in knowing he's the number two, he's not going to settle for being the number two, but he's going to understand that he's the number two and do the things that you need a number two to do. And one would be, I think, really helping a young goalkeeper in Justin Garces. I think that yeah. could be a, a, a good move. Alec would be that as well, but I think Alec might have more value to Cincinnati in doing a new deal. Maurer might look for a, a move after being in Dallas for a long time and kind of getting pushed to the side. I also like to just keep an eye on the Seattle players because there's such strong ties between mm-hmm. Atlanta and Seattle right now with Garth and uh, Gonzalo. Xavier Ariaga is on that list. If Atlanta United needed some cover at center back, not a bad would, one. That would be a very interesting play. Stefan Fry could be a potential interesting veteran goalkeeper you yeah. could bring in as a backup. Um, and then, you know, someone who's rather new to Seattle wasn't there, I don't think, with Gonzalo and Garth, but someone who I think could be a really, really nice depth piece for Atlanta United. I want to reiterate depth. Someone who's going to be out of contract at the end of this year is Aber, formerly of New York City, went to Seattle. Someone who I think would be a really nice piece you could bring off your bench if the money was correct. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if he's – I don't know if his knee is – where you want it to be i think he's a diminished player from his best because of the knee injury and hopefully uh you get what you want out of jamal tre and you don't need to go in for another forward true we'll see we'll find out true all right well this has been a very comprehensive edition of stoppage time with no atlantic united matches to talk about now (laughs) next week uh, we're not going to do a show on Wednesday because Jason and I are going to call a high school football game a week from tonight. We have Parkview against Cal. That's a really good game, mm-hmm. by the way. Rusty Manziel told me that's a great game. So uh, Jason and I are going to call Parkview and Cal. It's the opening game of the Corky Cal Dave Hunter Classic. That'll be Wednesday night. So we're going to take next week off for stoppage time so we can concentrate on uh, the other type of football. And then we're going out to Seattle, I think, on Friday, yep. uh, Sunday. Ten a week from Sunday, ten o'clock Eastern, ten thirty uh, will be the kickoff. Atlanta United Seattle Sounders with a special edition of Atlanta soccer tonight at nine Eastern time. Before that match, a week from Sunday, as Jason wraps up the uh, discussion about the Women's World Cup, I'm sure it will cross over into getting you ready for Atlanta United as well. And and Jessica Charman will be on that show as well, since uh, Charlotte and Miami's game got postponed that night that's right? because that's right. one of and them will be playing in League's Cup that weekend. Leagues, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And uh, Will and Jess, uh, to Charlotte's credit, they're still keeping the radio going for uh, League's Cup, which I'm glad yeah. to see. So uh, they're going to get a chance to see Messi on Friday. 
uh, hopefully for them, it goes better than it did when we were down here. <laughs> Don't uh, forget, Atlanta United two tonight as well at home back in Kennesaw. Um, yes, it is going to be played in Kennesaw. It's playable. Once again, I don't know if it's necessarily pretty, but the pitch is playable. Uh, it's a big game, Atlanta United 2 and Crown Legacy, the Charlotte affiliate and MLS Next Pro. The twos are six points out of the playoffs with seven games to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a huge week where they're playing Crown Legacy, the best team in the league overall, and then the second best team in the East in New England on the road on Sunday. Uh, come out to the fraction to watch this because you're going to get to see some really good young talent. If you can't make it out, you can you can watch it on Apple TV on, on MLS Season Pass. You can also listen to our radio call of it on Soccer Down Here at SoccerDownHere.net or the Soccer Down Here app. And also check out on Off the Woodwork uh, the B-sides that I posted earlier this week. Uh, great conversation with Steve Cook. I always love catching up with him. Uh, you get to hear from Sean Lanza and Aiden Torres for the first time. I think it's the first interviews that they've done publicly. Um, and then I got to call up, catch up with Jackson Conway. And Jackson is a, a guy that I've gotten to know over the years. Obviously, he's been around a while with Atlanta United. He is a very thoughtful young man. And mm-hmm. I, I thought the conversation, just how open he was talking about the year that he's had, going on loan, it not working out, coming back, struggling with confidence. It was just so so powerful to hear him talk about that and to be so so open about it. So go check that out. It's on Off the Woodwork, wherever you get your 92.9 Game Soccer podcast, like this one. All right, there you go. Uh, that's a tease. And uh, yes. no, we will not have coverage of whatever closed-door thing is going on between yeah. – Atlanta United in St. Louis this weekend. Sorry. Uh, if we find out anything, we'll let you know. But uh, I don't even think they're going to let us in for that. So uh, we will see you next Sunday from Seattle. And if you're into high school football, we'll see you a week from tonight at Cal High School. Thanks for joining us here on Twitch and the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.